Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives with your hosts, myself, Colton Cockrell, and Tricia Stetzel. Our goal is to bridge the generational, gender, and life experience gap in business through our unique styles of gathering information from our guests. This podcast is sponsored by Jim Butcher, who is a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Now let's get it started. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Colton Cockrell. I'm a certified financial fiduciary and independent financial advisor with Cher McKinley Group. And welcome to Bridge the Gap, where we're connecting business perspectives. I want to go ahead and introduce my co-host, one out of two of the Trishas on the show today, Miss Trisha Stetzel. Thank you, Colton. You are outnumbered today, my friend. <laughs> hey, everybody. Trisha Stetzel here, owner of Results Extreme Business Solutions. I am super stoked to have my name twin on the show today. So let me tell you a little bit about Trisha Burita. She's a 15-year licensed Texas attorney practicing in employment law on the management side and business law. She is the managing attorney of Burita Law Firm, PLLC, located in downtown Houston and Leak City. She also has a second company called Legal Skinny LLC, which we're going to hear about today, that is an educational resource for employers that includes her Legal Skinny podcast and blog. As an entrepreneur herself, she loves to engage in personal and business growth through a great book, a podcast, or a blog. She's been featured in articles for business.com, Authority Magazine, and Texas Lawyer. My name twin, Trisha Burita, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm so excited to be here. No, absolutely. We're excited to have you. I love how you have so, I mean, we usually read a very short bio, but you just had so much information that we had to tell our listeners. So you you had the privilege of having an extended bio today. So Trisha, we don't have you for that long. I'm sorry. I got a TB, Trisha Burita. I got to figure out a way to just distinguish between the two of you. Trisha Burita, we don't have you for a long time. So we're going to jump in with questions. Now, with your experience in employment law, um, I'm just curious, whenever you're you're starting a business, right, you have your um, sole prop or you're starting a corporation, whatever it may be. You know, you got you to gotta hire employees for the most part. How does that process work? If you're hiring your first employee, what are some good practices that people can um, really take advantage of or not take advantage of, but do whenever they're starting out? That's a really good question, Colton. I think um, sometimes people get so excited about hiring the first employee, you know, they don't maybe delve into maybe the practices and procedures that I like to see. Uh, sometimes I see that, you know, uh, several years down the line when they've already got a set of employees and now they're like, you know, I should probably have some procedures or policies related to how I'm going to handle the employees. So if I could go and like hold their hand, you know, prior to the first hire, you know, I would encourage them to look real seriously about having an actual job description for the employee, you know, a real good job description, not a, you know, wish list of what you'd like them to accomplish or the, you know, list of the things that, you know, you think they're going to do. You should make a real list of what you expect them to do because it's the first chance you get to tell an employee your expectations, right? And, and it shouldn't be, you know, some people take what they post, you know, um, uh, on Indeed or somewhere else and they just go, that's the job description, right? But it's really not usually. Usually there's other stuff that maybe you don't want out there in the public, but that you find vital and want to have happen. And think of it as like a living, breathing sort of document, right? You can visit it every year. You can update it. You know, things will change with the business. Job duties will change. So it's not like, uh, I feel like um, people get so scared uh, with 
with the job description or the development of the employee handbook that they'll put it off. I've heard that many, many times. Uh, it's kind of like, okay, I have this like real big dream that I'll be like, learn how to play golf. And I, I'll, I'll tell you the truth, guys, I have no idea how to play golf. Like, uh, you know, I, I really, really want to know how to play golf. But um, <laughs> one of the things I was told, I think by multiple golf people is that you really shouldn't go and have a bad swing, right? You should have a great swing. So you have to take all these lessons to get the right swing. Cause if you play golf the bad way, then you're never going to be able to fix the swing. And I, so that has literally deterred me from like ever learning to play golf. I'm like, I don't have time to do all these lessons and, and really get into it. Like, I think that happens with employers. They keep thinking I'm going to need this sort of perfect opportunity where everything will be perfect and everything. I will have all the time in the world and all my policies will be perfect and the job description will be great. But I say, Hey, look, <laughs> better know something than nothing. Because if you don't set out your expectations with the employee, you're almost like kind of set up to fail because you'll get frustrated when they don't meet your expectations that are by the way, all in your head. Right. And then if you don't set out policies of things you expect from them, you know, you'll get frustrated when they don't do them. And then you'll, you'll, and I hear it, you know, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing it? Well, when did you tell them that? you wanted them to do that, you know? Well, every time I'm mad at them and they don't do it, right? Well, then then who's getting frustrated? The employee, because they feel picked on, right? Because, and it all kind of makes a sort of mess. So if we could go back, first day, I'm holding your hand. Let's have a handbook policy and a job description to start off with. I think that's so important. That. So from a business coach's point of view, Trisha, you are like, you're my favorite person right now. <laughs> if you don't <laughs> besides, have, our name, besides our name twin stuff. Besides the name twin stuff, right? Uh, but I'm, that's absolutely true. If you don't set the expectations up front, it's all, it's just, it turns into a really chaotic workplace, right? Uh, where they don't know what they're doing. You expect them to be doing something and then somebody like you needs to come in and help fix it, right? So if we try and get something up front, I think that's really important, right? We get all the paperwork up front, we set the expectations, and then if there's an issue down the road, we can make those adjustments. That's what I hear you saying. Yeah. And, and it, we got to start somewhere, right? We got to start somewhere. It doesn't have to be perfect, right? It doesn't. It, you can revisit it. If you want to revisit it, you know, six months and, and, uh, and, you know, I wouldn't say revisit the handbook all the time. I would try to get something in place that you're going to, so you, so you look, you, so you don't look non-committal to like your policies, but an annual review of the handbook, an annual review of the job description, that is so normal and in really well-established um, job environments. Yeah, I love that. And, and I love that too. And so let, let me ask you this, as a employer now in the midst of COVID, right, we have all this chaos around us. It, it's hard to be an owner of a business, right? I mean, so many external factors, but the internal factors that you think you can control, your, your employees, now they're at home. How do you control that? What, what are you seeing? What are issues that our employers are facing right now with um, having people telework it, working from home? That's a really, uh, uh, another great question, Colton, because, you know, just in talking about the job descriptions and the handbook policies um, and, and y'all's whole theme of this generational difference issue, I really think that like, that that has sort of been the frustration with the telework and remote work, um, you know, force that that employers are dealing with. Because depending on you know, even if you're a small business and you have a couple employees, once they're not in your site, let's just face it, that some of the generations see that differently. Okay, and um, you know, some of them think, okay, is it you know, it's quantity of time versus maybe quality of the work, or you know, what are they doing? Uh, they're not 
answering my phone call immediately. And there's this sort of frustration that maybe the work isn't occurring. So I'll go back to my expectation thing. You know, now should you maybe have a policy developed around what the expectations are when you're remote working? Maybe you as a manager or as the owner of a business are going to need a, some more check-ins. Maybe you're going to ha- want to have a daily call with them, maybe, or a weekly call. Maybe you're going to want to have a, a, a daily report where they tell you what the heck they did all day, right? But something to that effect where you kind of recognize that maybe there may, might be a generational difference. Because if you, if you um, and, and when I'm talking about the older generation, that's used to the sort of nine to five, everyone works, you know, and if you're working only when you're actually in the office and you're probably not working when you're not in the office, that kind of feel is very real. And I see it a lot. And what ends up happening is, is the uncomfortableness of that sort of telework remote situation and managers trying to deal with it in a generational issue is they'll overcompensate by micromanaging, which creates another whole problem. And you're not really solving the issue that, that you're looking at to begin with. So um, I would say recognize that there may be a difference and figure out a way to clearly set out the expectations if they're different in the telework setting and then get a way for everyone to communicate super easily so that we're not like feeling frustrated because we can't get a hold of an employee or feeling frustrated because the you know management is is just all over the employee and the employee feels like they can't get anything done i've heard where like there were so many zoom calls i literally couldn't get my work done you know and that kind of situation is is, is something that's coming up a lot right now so trisha are you finding that there are um even legal issues or ramifications around people who are moving from work in the office to work from home are there legalities that are coming up with employment around telework Yeah, one of the things with telework, and this affects whether you have one employee or, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees is the, especially with the hourly employee, because you need to account for their time and make sure that um, they aren't working more than you expected and running into overtime. And that can really be different now because you're taking the commuter hour out. So maybe, maybe that employee was used to, you know, getting into the car at, you know, 6.30, 7 o'clock, getting to work at 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock or whatever. And now that time's gone. So they just go into their office and they log in and they start working and you're missing some time from them. So that would be the first legal issue I think I would caution everybody about to kind of look closer at, make sure you really are explaining you know, that you want that time work reported because it would be really frustrating to find out later that they moved into a telework situation, they were working longer and you were missing getting that overtime in and, you know, created violation issues with the Department of Labor. That's scary, right? As an, as an employer, it's like, oh gosh, is that something that I thought of? Maybe it's something I should have, right? But we, because we were all thrust into the position of sending people work from home, a lot of people were, it's not something that we thought of. So um, making sure I think that you seek as an employer, that you seek the advice of a professional is, uh, is a good piece of advice. And I'm giving that advice, not anyone else on this call. I just think that you should seek out <laughs> consults. So I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and so, and I, and I got a, I got a curious question. I mean, I, no details or anything. I'm just curious just in the midst of COVID, right? Being, having all these employees and you know, you're limited to what you can do if you're a restaurant or whatever, how often are you having to keep up with the changes, whether it's from the governor, a CDC or whatever it may be? I mean, is that, is that a full-time job almost? 
Are you talking about for me, Colton? Yeah, for you. I'm sorry. Trisha Burita. Yes, the question goes to you. <laughs> no, I, I knew the question was for me. I just meant, am I keeping up with the laws? I am very, I'm very immersed in the local level and the state level and the federal level laws because, of course, people call me to discuss the safety issues, the liability exposures and stuff. So I do a lot of consulting on, on you know, those issues and of course all the requirements with the employment law and, and you know, the FFCRA, which was the Families First Coronavirus Response Act at April 1st, 2020, um, that, you know, had a lot of employers, especially here in the state of Texas, having to, to do paid sick leave and um, that expanded FMLA. When you know, all of a sudden you're a little tiny employer and you're like, what is this? And uh, so that's been exciting for them. And, um, and I've, I've been doing a lot of handholding and and saying we can't change it. It is what it is. Let's move forward and, and figure it out together. So, well, and I, I think the, the thing that I love about you, Trisha, is you're always willing to provide education, right? And I, th- I think that in, in the world that we live in today, that's really what we need, right? All of us employers need to be educated. Uh, and I love that. I mean, you've got a coffee talk that you put out. Um, and I'm going to thrust us into the thing that I really want to talk about, which is your podcast called Le- Legal Skinny Podcast. And that, again, is a place for you to provide education. And I absolutely love that you're doing that. Um, you're you know, out there trying to make sure that we as employers know what in the world we're doing or should be doing. So can we, Colton, I'm taking over, Trisha B., can we talk about the Legal Skinny Podcast? Will you tell us about it? You know I love this. I, it's my baby. I started it over the summer here, not because of COVID. I it was more of I had wanted to do it a long time, um, and have been working on it uh, as a project for me for over a year. And it's one of those things. Maybe it's my like my golf situation, right? I just was like, I'll get to that when I'll get to that. And let's face it, as entrepreneurs, there's your plate is never not full, especially if you have family obligations and all of that. And so. Um, but really, you know, when the, when the paid sick leave law came into effect, um, Trump signed it, President Trump signed it March 18th. It, you know, it went into actual effect April 1st. It was very overwhelming, the amount of people that needed help from me. And um, I was doing, you know, consults all the time and trying to work through those issues. And some of this stuff was just, um, you know, I was repeating myself, you know, on a lot of these things. I did webinars, but a lot of people were so busy trying to deal with the shutdowns and everything. They just couldn't sort out when to get this information. And so I started the podcast. Um, uh, I started to, you know, really develop it through and, and, and launch it in July. And now it's been a great place for me to point them to if they need to get a little bit of education on something um, and they don't need like a specific discussion about, you know, certain facts. And so, uh, I started it. This is an educational resource for the employer. It goes through a lot of different things. I have some basic things on non-COVID, talking about documentation, do a, a number of interviews. There's actually three parts to the podcast. There's um, uh, where I do a, like a, a little legal brief where I'll come in and, and maybe do five, 10 or 15 minutes on a, on a specific type of law. I think you know, that's going on that people might want to know about, or just general information employer needs to know. And then um, a case study where it kind of launches into the facts of a case and why it's relevant and something like that. And then the interviews, which have been really ridiculously fun. I'm sure you guys know, because you have, uh, you know, a lot of interviews in your podcast as well. Is that, is everything you just said, is that one podcast and includes all three of those parts? Yep, it has all three of those parts. So it allows me oh. some flexibility to uh, get into some meat when meat is needed, and then, but also get some great interviews, uh, you know, entertainment and content as well. Because 
you know, there's a lot of things out there that affect employers that maybe um, there's only little pieces of legal stuff through, but that I want my employers to be aware of. Uh, your generational difference is interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, already itching to bring you guys onto my podcast as a duo. So I think that'll be uh, fun if you guys will do that with me. I don't All know, right, Colton. I don't know. Hundred dollars an hour. Hundred dollars an hour. Hundred dollars an hour. Oh wait a minute! I can't afford I'm, you. That's me coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm totally kidding. No, oh, but no, that's that's interesting. Well, thank you for giving us the skinny on legal skinny. I love it. Uh, see what I did. How long have you been so, holding on to that, Colton? That you wanted to say that <laughs> since before we started wrote, recording? I'm sure. <laughs> I wrote it. I wrote it down on my iPad. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, so Trisha, since sorry, Trisha B, since you've watched or watched, listened to our podcast multiple times, you kind of know how we set everything up. So I know you're expecting the total off the wall, random question that I ask every single person, something totally different. You never know what to expect. So Trisha B, are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Give it to me, Cole. <laughs> I'm a little nervous to tell you the truth, but let's, let's just go with it. Okay. So if you were a turtle, okay, and Trisha, don't shake your head. Stop it. If you were a turtle, what would be inside your shell? So whenever you like go in your shell, you can kind of hang out. What would it be? Do turtles have things in their shell? We're, hey, it's, this is a fictional question. Okay. Don't, don't question. Very my, fictional. Okay. Got it. So the, I'm going to pretend like my five-year-old girl twins came up with this and uh, I'm answering them. Like there is stuff in a turtle shell. Okay. Uh, what would be in, in my shell if I was a turtle? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably some AirPods and a phone so I could listen to a podcast like y'all's. I like oh, that's it. okay. Way, that's awesome. way to turn it. I mean, I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the insult because you, you also complimented us. So I'll take it. Um, <laughs> no, so <laughs> I really, I probably could have honestly asked, Hey, if you were in a room, what would be the only thing you'd have in the room for the rest of your life? But I guess I just had to go the turtle route. I don't know why. Anyway, Trisha, would you like to kind of uh, dig me out of this okay. whole life? I yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to dig you out of this hole right now. So Colton, you should never ask that type of fictional question to an attorney. Okay. I'm just saying that's all. <laughs> it's probably <true. laughs> way too literal. <laughs> <laughs> Trisha B, we love you. All right. So I'm going to ask you uh, one serious question before we go. If you don't mind divulging, what generation do you belong to? I, you know, I think they moved my generation. I think I was an ex or, or something. And then now I'm a millennial, but um, I was born in 79. Uh, so yeah. So what Colton and I decided is the Y gens like disappeared. So something happened to the Y generation, which is what <laughs> you were part of. So you either get to be an X gener or a millennial, or as Colton likes to call it, or and and I got to copyright this, um, a millennial X. What? <laughs> a millennial X. Okay. Um, I get to pick. I think someone picked for me. I I don't know. I I. Um, I'm open to, to what, why don't y'all tell me what generation I'm in? Okay, we'll pull you, we'll pull you in both directions. Cause we're in this competition to see who, who gets the most people on the show in their generation. And I'm like the well, swing card. Cause I can go either way. You are. <laughs> you're really excited that you want me to name it. Well, I have to, so go, with my, I have to go with my name twin then. What are you talking about? Like, that's an oh easy one. Clearly. Okay. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. Time out. Before you do that, we'll, we'll let the tiebreaker will be the next question, Trisha which is okay. So which generation do you most identify with? The generation that likes the nineties music, which generation is that? Yes. Totally. Millennial. Totally. Totally. X generous. 
It's millenn- another problem 90s. there with the generational issue. The millennials think that the the nineties music is theirs. I don't know what's up with that. It's totally okay. Not. So I'm I, just was saying, born, Colton. I was born in ninety two, and I still listen to stuff that old Backstreet Backstreet Boys. You know, that's my. I'm totally kidding. No, but no, ninety two. There's a lot of good stuff in there, and millennials. We still listen to that stuff. I mean, come on, because it's good music. Right, Colton? It is, but it that doesn't is. make it a Gen Xer thing. Okay, you guys, uh-huh. we had a we had plenty of fun today. Trisha Burita, I am so glad that you joined us. We had an amazing talk with you today. Thanks for sharing all of the information um, about your education, where we can find you uh, on your podcast, Legal Skinny. So in closing, would you just repeat your name, spell it for us, tell us the name of your business and how people can reach out to you if they're interested in finding out more. Sure. And Trisha Barita, T-R-I-S-H-A-B-A-R-I-T-A. And uh, they can um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. They're welcome. I think I'm the only Trisha Barita on LinkedIn. (laughs) Pretty easy to find in that realm. My name is, um, my last name is unique with my first name. Uh, And then my two businesses are Barita um, Law Firm and it's BaritaLaw.com. And then uh, Legal Skinny, of course, the LegalSkinny.com you can check out and there's a Facebook and and the podcast and all that jazz. Awesome. Colton, anything that, from you, my friend? Jazz. No, I, I love it. Um, Trisha, thank you so much for being, Trisha B. And I guess Trisha S. Thank you all both so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. <laughs> it was such a pleasure to be with you guys today. So much fun. I loved it. Oh my goodness, Colton. I hope to never give you this problem again. I'm just saying. Name twins, yeah. right? I'm just saying. There's not a lot of Colton's out there, so it's kind of difficult for me this to throw it back very, at you. He's going to go searching now, though. That's it. That's the end of it. <laughs> I love it. All right, you guys, this concludes this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. If there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Jim Butcher, a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Colton Cocker with Sherman McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas, 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., member FINRA, Pacific. Sherman McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.